0: on statement number 11. So if I could just have my slides back, that would be fab. So we've been going through all of these statements and we're on the final one today. And there's going to be part two next week to land us. And this is faith is relationship and not religious ritual. Little disclaimer for you. This is a subject I feel very, very passionate about. And it makes me... Passionate. (laughs) And, And therefore, I said to Chris yesterday, I was like, oh, I have so many things, so many things I want to say, and I don't really know how to put them together, and you know, and I just feel like blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, it sounds like this could end up just being a life-giving rant. So um, <laughs> welcome, welcome into my inner monologue um, of when we start to talk about religion and how it binds people up and it keeps people down and it makes them feel small. It makes me very, very angry. And so I um, give you a disclaimer without an apology this morning that. Um, that I want to share my heart with you this morning about what I think God is like as a dad and how we get tied up in church and religion and it's just not what Jesus came for. Um, yeah. So that's what we're going to do. So we have some statements that are going to come up that describe what we mean when we say faith is relationship, not religious ritual. Um, And I'm going to read these for you. The first one is this, we believe it's God's heart as a father to see all his children come into relationship with him and try to make this as straightforward as possible as we share our faith with others. Next one, we do all we can to use language that is accessible for all and avoid religious jargon that can't easily be understood by people who don't have experience of the Bible or church. We believe that religion is form without power and instead we foster a culture that celebrates freedom of relationship instead of legalism and religiosity. Now, what's interesting for me is when people meet me and it's very, it's such a British culture thing. Oh, what do you do? People say, what do you do? And depending on what mood I'm in, I tell them one of the three jobs that I do. But I might say to them, oh yeah, I'm a pastor of a church. And, uh, and they will often something along the lines of, oh, you're religious. And then they're often a bit caught out by my response to that. And I'm like, oh no, I hate religion. And then there's this like, Ooh, but you're like a vicar, right? You're a vicar. That means that like, you love religion. I'm like, no, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm trying to follow him. I love God, but religion? Nah, that's not what I'm about. I don't define myself by being religious. Because for me, religion is so often, and not unfounded, let's be clear, associated with rules, shoulds, a life full of shoulds and shouldn'ts, hypocrisy, war, judgment, guilt, and an overwhelming sense that we just aren't good enough and we need to keep striving to be better. That's what often religion is associated with. It's about serving a set of rules or cultures or traditions, and it requires a whole load of effort. Serving religion takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. But for me, a faith built on relationship, which is what we're talking about today, doesn't come from great effort. It comes from great surrender. It's like the opposite. Religion says try harder, try harder, try harder, not good enough, still not good enough, try harder. Relationship with God says surrender. Surrender your striving and be loved. Be accepted. It's a very
1: affair. Surrendering so looks like allowing yourself to be loved unconditionally even when so you Surrendering looks like trying God says you are worthy and valuable and loved even when your behaviour and your choices don't make that. The world or so nothing The whole universe shows you, designs you and will love you, we love you ever stop. Do you know what? I think easier
0: striving is easier, right? Because it helps us to know how we're doing. We've got a measuring stick of okay. I'm going to do this Christianity thing, so what do I need to do? Well, I must read my Bible, I must pray, I mustn't swear, I must derive,
1: I must be nice to people all the time, I must be generous. If you've got measuring sticks, I must, I must. Great, because you know how you're doing. You can tell how you're doing. If someone says "Are you doing okay, you're like, let me check my measuring stick. Yeah, I did read my Bible, today, yeah, I prayed, I was generous. I'm okay. Means your memory stick get broken up, smashed out, and completely
0: taken away from you. And you have to ask the question Am I okay just because I'm loved, I'm chosen, I'm designed? Am I okay just as I am? The answer is yes. And
1: that requires a high level of vulnerability. A high level of vulnerability. So look at yourself in the mirror. to decide whether you're open enough. It's much harder. And when we talk about the gospel in churches and the reason we have this freedom, the
0: reason that we have, we know we have a and condition is because of what Jesus did. I think sometimes we don't actually really understand what Jesus did and the gospel. So if you've been around church forever, I hope this is familiar for you, but I'm going to just quickly give us the gospel itself.
1: What does it actually mean when we say Jesus is the of the forever and ever? I'm going to quickly just run through this for you. Please don't email me afterwards to tell me all the little bits I missed. Email Chris, the response to respond to you Here's <laughs> <laughs> the thing for the Gospel.
0: God in relationship with him, yeah. he created humans to be like this. It says in the Garden of Eden, he walked with them. He didn't hold them at arm's length up in the sky and say, "I've made you, boom, and then hang out over here." He made them to be in relationship with them.
1: Now, he made them free will to choose. To that. They could choose to be as creator and father. It was a choice. They didn't. Produce. What humanity did was they wanted to be the master of their own universe, the master of their own lives, and in doing so separated
0: themselves from God and said, Actually, I'm going to do it my way. Now that brought sin into the world. Sin is this separation from God. And the sin was so significant. And such a big problem and an issue that there was nothing that could fix this separation other than someone who was sinless, perfect, had never ever sinned in any way, coming and taking the punishment for all of the sin that had happened in the separation on the behalf of humanity and standing in the gap. So imagine it like this. God sends, it's outrageous. God sends his only son in human form, spotless, blameless, sinless. He sends him down to earth. He makes a charge sheet of everything that's ever been said unjust, unhealthy, wrong, selfish, every behavior, every action, every word by humanity gone past and to come. He writes it on a charge sheet and then he offers Jesus up in the docks. He stands Jesus in the
1: docks and he says, that's got nothing to be accountable for in his own and he is gonna stand and take the charge for every humanity to die. And the Bible tells us the way Jesus
0: is the only way to attack death. What does he do? He sends his son to and in dying, takes all of that separation with him to the grave. Gone. But the thing about Jesus was
1: and so then what happens is Jesus is back to life, not only having sin and separation, but then having separated to to death, which means we never have to die because of sin. We with God forever. What Jesus did is this whole gap, put it in the grave, left it there, came back, and then
0: this again. Because God was so desperate to connect with his kids so, so desperate that he would go to those lengths. That's the gospel. So when we say Jesus died for you,
1: people are like, no idea what that means. To do people have been in church for years, it's like Jesus died for Christ. What does that mean? I don't know. That's what it means. That's what it means. Jesus died with accountability for all of that separation. And he gives the chapter that we can close to God's Father. So, you know, the word for us is good news. It's really It's really, good news.
0: One of my favorite passages in the Bible that talks about this, it'll come up on the screen. Romans 8, 14 to 17 says this. The mature children of God are those who... Read their Bible every day, pray, be nice to people. Nope, it doesn't say that. It says this the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not have the spirit of religious duty Did you back into the fear of never being
1: good enough. But you have the spirit of full acceptance it's the family of God. And you never feel good.
0: for as He Within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost you are God's.
1: Since we're his true children, God's for all of you forever, we
0: qualify all his treasures. We are heirs of God himself. And since we're joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Charlotte was talking about. We experience with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. That is powerful stuff. That is powerful. Earthly moments
1: get to put separation instead. Your in Father says on my Not my And what does it mean if I have a church family on a mission take this message out of the for the What does this mean? Well I'm
0: going to show you very quickly a couple of pictures that I hope will help illustrate this. The first one is this. So this isn't just churches, this is organizations you will have seen this before. A bounded set basically says there are people who are out and there are people who are in. And mostly what determines out and in is behavior, culture, context, traditions. So in here, this is how we dress. In here, this is how we talk. In here, this is how we behave. Oh, you don't do that. Oh, you're out. So in here, we believe this oh, you don't believe this. Oh, in that case, you're out. And actually, this isn't, like I say, this could be a tennis club. You know, it's not just churches, but, and it is churches very often. The idea of in and out, us and them. Oh, we pray for them out there because they need Jesus. Uh, Here's a wake-up call. You need Jesus. You need Jesus every day. You need Jesus just as
1: said, it. this is what we believe as a family that we're called to live
0: from. That is, Jesus is in the middle, and everyone else is rounding the side, and some people are moving towards him, some people are walking away, some people are standing still and curious, some people are on their way walking away, and then suddenly they're looking over their shoulder like, huh, I just heard that someone got healed from pain for four years. That's weird. I might turn around this way and just start walking back this way second. I just heard that I was going down the toilet and then
1: suddenly they Jesus and then I heard i just walk a little bit closer to this again. I heard about this and I said, I'm going to walk this way. And you know what? great is it's not our responsibility to make anyone walk
0: anywhere. It's not your responsibility as someone who's trying to make anyone walk anywhere. And when you start making it your responsibility, you'll mess it up. not what? Actually, we don't
1: want people to you, we want people to be my post going,
0: he's here, look at him, he's beautiful, he's wonderful, he's changed my life, he's who I am. Look at him, why didn't you come? I don't want to come. Okay, I'm just going to love you anyway. It's not your job to drag people kicking and screaming to the cross. Let them get there on their own. But the best way to show them is to just love him and be loved by him. That's what we want to do as a family on a mission. Now, the the trouble with a bounded set or religion is that when we mess up and make mistakes, it holds us at arm's length you suddenly find yourself on the outside. This is culture and society and often churches. Oh, that behavior is unacceptable here. You have now just moved outside. You're at arm's length. But you know what? When it comes to relationship with God as Father, when we mess up, when we make terrible mistakes, it, he doesn't hold us at arm's length. He holds to us and he walks with us. At the very moment we might feel so ashamed as to want to push him away, he holds tighter. He holds on to us and he walks with us. Now, I'm going to share something at the time. Now, what you need to decide is whether that makes me more or less worthy to lead a church and stand on this platform today and speak to you. If you're not sure, religion will give you a quick answer religion will give you a really quick answer. If you feel like, I need to know the rules here, what's right or wrong, religion will tell you. But relationship is much more complicated. Much, much more complicated. Because relationship says, well, hang on, you should have known better. And, but God says, she's fully accepted and she's enfolded in God's family. And God says, she's loved unconditionally And that God says she still has purpose even on her worst day. Well, that doesn't make... That surely can't be right. That can't be right. And if you feel like that, there are many people who will agree with you. And for many years, I agreed with you. Because do you know what? One of the hardest places to find forgiveness is when you mess up for yourself. And the voices around you will agree with you. But relationship says be accountable. Put your hand up and say, this is not okay, but I'm not holding you over here. I'm holding you here, and I'm going to walk into freedom with you as a son or as a daughter. That's what relationship says. If you're unsure about that, I haven't got time to go into it, but I would encourage you to go to John 8 in the Bible where there's a story about um, a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. She's literally pulled out naked in the act of adultery and put in front of people. And the penalty for that in those days was stoning. Religion says, you did wrong, you are wrong, you must be punished. Relationship says, be accountable, but you're not condemned. You're loved. And when you look at the interaction between Jesus and that woman in that moment, oh, it's powerful. I'm going to read you a little ex- excerpt. Is that the right word? Excerpt? Excerpt? Excerpt. I'm going to read you a little bit from a book. <laughs> um, by Brennan Manning. He wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. This was a man who um, was... He knew Jesus really well, and he was an alcoholic, and he struggled—he struggled with alcohol, and he was leading. He was leading in a church context, and he was struggling with alcohol at the same time. And he wrote a book called *The Ragamuffin Gospel*, and it will put bombs in your head if you've been around church a long time. But this is a little—a uh, little snippet. He says this because salvation is by grace through through faith, not religion. I believe that among the countless number of people standing in front of the throne and in front of Jesus in heaven, I shall see the prostitute who tearfully told me that she could find no other employment to support her two year old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse but did the best she could when faced with gruelling alternatives. The businessman besieged with debt who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions. The insecure clergyman, addicted to being liked, who never challenged his people from the pulpit and longed for unconditional love. The sexually abused teen, molested by his father and now selling his body on the street, who, as he falls to sleep each night after his last trick, whispers the name of the unknown God he learned about in Sunday school. But how, we ask. And then the voice says, they have washed their robes, and have made them white in the blood of Jesus. There they are. There we are. The multitude who so wanted to be faithful, who at times got defeated, soiled by life, and bested by trials, wearing the bloodied garments of life's tribulations, but through it all clung to faith. My friends, if this is not good news to you, You do not understand the gospel of grace. It's so easy to stand in judgment without walking a day in someone's shoes. It's so easy to make ourselves feel better by looking at people who are doing worse. That's not the gospel of grace. It's not what it says. So we're going to take just a little minute. You've got your pieces of paper. The lights will come up for you so you can see them. And what you've got here is a piece of paper that talks about the difference between religion and the gospel. So, for example, religion says, I obey God, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says, I'm accepted and therefore I obey Or this one, when I'm criticized, I'm furious or devastated because it is critical that I think of myself as a good person. Threats to my self-image must be destroyed at all costs. Or the gospel says, when I'm criticized, I struggle, but it is not essential for me to think of myself as a good person. My identity is not built on my record or performance, but on God's love for me in Christ. So what I'd love you to do, if you've got a pen or something handy, that would be great. Um, I should have got pens beforehand, sorry, if you haven't got one. Find someone with a big handbag. I often find they have got many pens in. Um, So what I would love you to do is just have a little read through and treat it as if... If you're online, by the way, um, Becca's going to put a link for you in the chat so that you can link to this document and you don't have to peer at it in tiny, tiny writing. Um, What I want you to do is draw a line. Imagine this is a scale, like all the way up this way or all the way up that way. And I want you to draw a line where you think you are on that scale. So for example, I obey God in order to get things from God or I obey God to get God to delight and resemble him. How? Where do you think you are on that spectrum? Of Actually, I'm trying to get God to answer my prayers and do what I want him to do versus I obey him because of who he is. And then just draw a little line don't overthink it. If you overthink it, you'll second guess your answers, probably because of the religion in you that says, oh, I can't put that. That's terrible. That doesn't make me a Christian. So just take a few minutes. Uh, you got four minutes um, to be able to just have a little look through, read it through, um, and then put your lines down. And if you finish, feel free to turn to someone at the table near you and um, tell them, "Whew, that hurt, um, and see how you get on. By the way, very quickly, if you are someone who struggles with reading at all and would like help with that, um, please just make yourself known to someone at the back and someone will come and help you um, with reading that through. I mean, you've basically had four minutes, but this stuff takes a lifetime, <laughs> I think. Um, I think it's worth you spending some time this week uh, with God, just asking him to change your heart and shift your heart. And genuinely, if you are all over the, on the gospel side, like we need to hear more from you and we need to spend more time with you and we want to learn from you because, um, because... The world needs people who are all the way over on that side. And if that's you, we, we need to spend more time with you. So I'm going to bring this into land by saying there's, there's two elements to this whole religion relationship thing. One is we have to first get it for ourselves. Like we have to understand our identity as sons and daughters of a father who loves us. Like we have to... We have to Assassinate religion in our life intentionally, intentionally, because it will only bring us shame and pain and destruction. So it's for us, but there's a second part, and that is, we say here we're a family on a mission, and that's because we also want to bring <coughs> this message of transformation to other people. And I'm going to ask you just to watch the screen for a minute and hear um, from Lauren uh, just a little bit of Lauren's story.
2: This first Bible study I turned up to, I was one week sober and it was a Tuesday and then invited me on the Sunday. So we're talking like two days of like reconnecting with faith. And the first thing that this vicar's wife did, she said, um, let's go around the circle and everyone just say the thing they love about Christians. You know, like what have they seen that's just been so beautiful, that's attracted them to the church and people started going round and like the first girl was like, it's just this kindness, you know, that I feel from Christians and someone else was like, I've just seen so much generosity and I could feel inside, I could feel myself burning and I just thought like, I'm gonna say something really inappropriate, <laughs> you know? And she came around to me and I was last of like 10, 11 people. So there'd just been like a shower of praise and I just said nothing. I've not seen anything from Christians that I want. I am not here for Christians, I'm here for Christ, and I'm here despite them. I have seen pastors go off with members of their congregation and leave their wives and youth leaders be inappropriate. I was a 19-year-old who was desperate and searching and on the cusp of a drug addiction and I walked into a Christian bookshop and I asked for a book on sin and Jesus and as I walked out she just said you know Christians don't dress like that and that's what I thought Christians were and I wanted nothing to do with them and I said all of this with that level of intensity and she was just tears were just falling down her face and she was like Lauren I know that that wasn't me personally but I need you to know I'm sorry I'm I'm so sorry that that's what you've been shown and that's how you've been treated and that's what you've experienced and I want you to give us a chance to show you what this is really about what what Christians really can be let us support you and show you God's love in the way that you should have been shown by those people and something lifted off me and I just stopped feeling angry and I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a chance and I so needed it and it was almost like not her place to say but so her place to say and I feel like anyone who's got a story like that, anyone who can look back through their childhood and all they associate with the church is pain and judgement They need to know that that is not Christians when they're doing it right, when they're living for God. And that I'm so sorry, because they should have been given so much more than that. This first Bible study I turned up up to, I was one week so.
0: So that's Lauren. And I think Lauren's experience is not an isolated one. I think it would be fair to say. And so, when I say there are two parts to this, we need to understand it for ourselves, but we owe it to Ashford. We owe it to our neighbors. We owe it to our doctors, our nurses, our teachers, our kids. We owe it to the world. We owe it to the world to know what Jesus is really like, what he's really like. And Matthew 5 says it like this He says, You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now I've put you there on a hilltop. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. There are many people who have been hurt by the judgment and condemnation of Christians and of religion and of the church. And there's a different story to tell. And it's part of our opportunity and responsibility to tell a different story. So let's stand and I'm going to pray as we finish. And what I'm going to do, a couple of things. The first thing is... um, earlier on, I I basically told the story of the gospel. And if you are here today and you have never said yes to Jesus, you've never said, I accept that story was not just for that person, but for me. And from this day on, I've no idea how I'm going to manage. And I probably will mess up by the time I've walked out, but I want to spend my life trying to follow Jesus. I want to invite God to be my dad. If that is you today, just while everyone's facing this way, I would love for you just to raise your hand in this space, and we would love to celebrate. That's amazing. We would love to celebrate with you. Awesome. That's awesome. Brilliant. So we're going to, just before I move on, celebrate the fact that we've just got two people who have just said yes to Jesus today for the first time, and that's so good. So good. If you have raised your hand, please come and find uh, Chris. Can you wave? Chris or someone uh, at the end, or come and find me, um, and we would love to pray with you, and we would love to give you a bit of a gift and help you start to walk this out. But what we're actually going to do to finish is there's something, um, there's a word called renounce, and what renounce means is you lay down the legal claim you have to something. And you say, I no, longer, I no longer own this. This doesn't belong to me anymore. And I'm going to say some things that I am going to renounce today. And I would encourage you after I say them for you to say them out loud if you feel you can. This is your choice whether you get to say this or not. But I think as a family, we are being invited to lay down the claim to some of the unhealthy patterns of religion that we've had in our lives. And to put them in the grave and leave them there. Okay, you with me? Okay, four of you are, that's good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm going to say it, and if you agree for your own life, you say after me. I renounce a religious spirit in my life. I renounce a religious spirit in my life. I renounce insecurity in my life. I renounce insecurity in my life. I renounce a false identity in my life. I renounce self-sufficiency in my life. I renounce judgment in my life. I renounce condemnation in my life. I renounce hypocrisy in my life. I renounce offense in my life. I renounce guilt in my life. life. And I give all these things to Jesus. And say they have no hold anymore. anymore. In Jesus' name. name. And the people said, Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to Numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.